Zach Servideo here with Boston Speaks Up. I am here with John Piermarini. Bingo. Exactly how you would expect to pronounce it if you read it. But based on the laughter, I can tell there are some people that growing up wildly mispronounced it. What's the worst way it's been pronounced? I've heard pronunciations that didn't even start with a P. Like it was like <laughs> Birmarani. And it's just like, sure, yeah, I yeah. can be that guy for the rest of this year and uh, then move on to the next grade. So nice. there were definitely some interesting ones growing up. But As, um, as an Italian-American, I, 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 like the only thing I would add to it is I'd be like, John Piamarini. You know, like almost like bring it up at the end a little bit. Well, I feel the, like it comes with the side, like it, with the side of sauce. Well, it came with a <laughs> great middle name. It's uh, my middle name is Pasquale, so Pasquale. I really, yeah, really own the Italian American heritage. JPP, there. John JPP. Pasquale Piermarini. Pier, That's right. Uh, so, John, thanks for being here. Why don't we start? Just tell folks about Farewell and sort of like your current venture, what you're up to today, and then like I'd love to unpack the journey that you made because um, I've recently been meeting and interacting with some of the listeners of Boston Speaks Up. There's um, some folks are loving their role as an engineer or in software sales for for these big companies of Boston. Others are like aspiring entrepreneurs and you've taken that leap. You took that leap years ago. Um, But real quick, just kind of like share folks what um, occupies your time in the present. And then I'd love to kind of go back in time and, and talk about how you got here. Sure. So Farewell is my restaurant and I've had it under my own stewardship for a little over a year and a half now. It's been very exciting. We do, you know, if you've ever been to Sweet Green or Honey Grow, sort of the glorified salad, grain bowl, hybrid sort of concept. It's healthy eating. We do a lot of local sourcing, although not exclusively only local sourcing. But yeah, that's that's what we do. We have a lot of creative dressings and I really love just making food. So it's really fun to have that as the format because there's a lot of different ways that you can play with it. We don't have any one particular type of cuisine that we focus on. It's really just like that sort of bowl format. And it it does really well. You know, we're down in the seaport next to the Innovation Design Building, which is a really, really cool area. It's been interesting to see the wave of development through the seaport down towards us. And yeah, I've I've loved it. I was the manager of the location for another local Boston restaurant, uh, May May. They I opened that. I opened the shipping container that Farewell is currently in with May May uh, back as a manager back in 2015, 2016. I forget exactly how long ago it was. And after doing that for two years, they decided that they didn't really want to keep it. So I was able to team up with one of my best customers. And I was just like, hey, man, Rob, you know, they're shutting down the restaurant. You want to buy it with me? And he's just like, yeah, send me an email. So that's what we did. And yeah, it's been it's been great so far. So definitely enjoying it. Cool. Um, And based on the answers that you provided to the pre podcast questionnaire, I can imagine that this uh, I can see that this sort of role of running a restaurant has suited you for quite some time. There was a there was a project you did in fifth grade where you meticulously put together um, all the ways that you would spend a million dollars to run like a local like wine and cheese spot. 
Yeah. So so um, so t- so talk a, talk talk a bit about that because you've kind of come full circle, obviously, with some time at some time at IBM and, and engineering in between. Yeah. So it's been it's been a little bit of a journey, but yeah. In, in fifth grade, you know, I really loved watching cooking shows with like Jacques Pepin and Julia Child, and I didn't really cook. When I was a kid, I just loved watching the shows and I thought it was really cool. And I made some like cakes and stuff when I was a kid, but they weren't any good. And they were mostly just like box mixes that I was just like, what if we put pudding on instead of frosting? And like, look at me. Like, how do you like that, mom and dad? And they're just like, yeah, it's okay. (laughs) Uh, But my parents, you know, it's super encouraging throughout my entire life with whatever I wanted to do, which has been great. But yeah, this, this fifth grade project was just, you know, yeah, spend that million dollars however you want. And people did all sorts of different things like donating to charity or like going on wild vacations. And yeah, I just wanted to open this this wine and cheese shop even though like i <laughs> ate just macaroni and cheese that was really my exposure grilled cheese like i didn't like fancy cheeses i didn't drink wine because i was you know 10 years however old <laughs> and it was really fun i spent so much time on it and so much time researching and i think i didn't know it then but what i know now is that i just i really enjoy the process of learning i hated school i i I never want to do like grad school or anything like that really, but I loved learning on my own and learning by doing. So it was really fun to jump into that project and entrepreneurship, you know, going through that whole process. Now, again, it's really fun getting to learn sort of on the fly and you have challenges and problems presented to you in all different manners of ways. And, you know, you learn how to solve them and different strategies for solving both specific problems and just problems in general. Like how do I attack uh, an issue, you know, what's going on, what's the root of, of this particular problem, and, and how am I going to take care of it? And it can be a little scary because you wake up, you go to bed one night, and you're like, okay, everything's feeling good. You wake up the next morning, and it's just like something's not working at the restaurant, or, you know, you've got, you know, you, know, you realize that you have to submit some piece of paperwork that you didn't have before or some growth initiative that you're trying to put through requires some more work than you initially thought. And you don't have time to deal with it that day because you've got some other either literal or metaphorical fire to, to put out. And it's just constant problem solving all the time. And I think that's one of the things that I enjoy the most about it is that there you're just, there's really never a day where there's not a challenge and that, that can be exciting. That can be draining, but it can be really rewarding too. Interesting. So I want to talk a bit more about your your youth and and your time spent playing video games and finding <laughs> and finding um, identifying people in those video games that you could build websites for. Um, so because that you know I, I and may and you probably in in retrospect recognize it as this now, but I recognize that as again, entrepreneurship. Yeah. So, so you, and obviously it makes it that, you know, consequently it makes sense that you would, you know, logically find yourself sort of with an engineering background and find your way to IBM. But so, so talk to, talk to, um, Boston speaks up listeners a bit about your time spent in the, in the gaming world, but also networking in the gaming world. What age were you and like how you were picking up like consulting gigs (laughs) <laughs> so consulting is a strong word. I was consulting for the fine. Hey, I'm your. I'll be your hype guy. There we it was, go. It's pretty per- impressive. Perfect. For, for, <laughs> perfect. Yeah, I think I must. I mean, I was 12, 13, 14, somewhere in that range. 
And I was, along with a lot of other people my age, playing Neopets, which I think, <laughs> you know, a lot of people might shamefully admit, but I, I don't think that there's too much shame to it. Uh, but I, I loved it. And I liked the aspect of like, some of the sort of like economic aspects of that game and, and in Neopets, I don't know if it's like that anymore. I haven't played it in who knows how long, you know, you could, every user could have like a little shop and they would sell items on it, but they could decorate how the shop looked using HTML. And I was just like, okay, this is pretty cool. So like I sort of messed around with my own and I was just like, all right, like this is sweet. And then I had other people message me, asking, you know, how did you do this? How did you do that? And and I was just like, well, you know, I just read this book, but I can do it for you if you want to, like, pay me a little bit of in-game currency or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, I'll take some of your Neo points and, <laughs> nice. and you know, make you a cool shop. And that sort of just snowballed. You know, I <laughs> honestly, I got really interested in how some people were trying to hack the game and, yeah. like, cheat points out of it, even though none of this was worth any real right, money. Right, right, right. And that was what led me deeper into like actual programming instead of just like HTML and, you know, making little dinky websites. And that's how I ended up getting banned from Neopets. So, <laughs> you know, it, it eventually led to that, but it also led to some good things. I was eventually able to use those, those skills to leverage, you know, some actual real website development jobs just from like friends and family. But mm -hmm. like I made some actual real money, which was yeah. for me being 13 years old was just like sort of wild. Like I can just type stuff into my computer and people will give me money. Like that's really, really cool and really powerful. So once I saw that and I saw just sort of how there was all these different games online and, and all these different things you could do online. I was just like, wow, this is fascinating. Like, this is what I want to do, you know, screw, you know, cooking. And even, even like at that point in my life, I really didn't really care that much about food. I would eat peanut butter sandwiches all day. And like, mm -hmm. that's all I cared about. But once I saw some of that, that power from computers and, and technology, I was just like this, I mean, obviously this is the way the world is moving. Like, I can just be happy if I just learn how to do this. I go to school for this, I'll get a job and like, make some nice money and, and sort of like do this and, and I don't know, live until I'm 80, if I'm lucky, 85, if I'm lucky and you know, then I'll die, but I'll, I'll have lived whatever life I wanted because you know, my, there would be a lot of financial security in that, but maybe I won't ever really be challenged. I wasn't necessarily thinking about that at that yeah. moment, but that sort of, it felt like the sort of, uh, like it was like a common sense path for you based on the early success you had. So, so you identified, like computer science was yeah. that the major you went to school like where did yeah. you go to college i went to rochester institute of technology okay. which was a pretty great school RIT. Yeah. yeah yep home of the tigers yeah. um it was it was great um you know i liked my experience there and, and i learned a lot but it was while i was there that i started to see that like okay programming is fun and like the, the money is great you know i was doing uh, my summers i was interning at ibm and I was just like, wow, this is really nice to be making this much money for just like a summer job. Right. Um, so that was, that was awesome. But I was also starting to already feel the, the drag of it, you know, doing the summer internships, they gave us a lot of freedom to pursue our own projects. And that was really awesome. And that really sold me on the company and wanting to be a programmer because it was really cool to like have ideas for different pieces of software or websites or whatever and like just making them become a thing and whether or not they ended up being successful within the company and becoming a real product didn't really matter because it was just really cool to like play around they wanted us to play around and come up with new ideas because a lot of the people that they paid the actual real money to didn't get to do all of the exciting stuff 
Yeah, they were focused on like the mo- like the you know more bottom line, yeah, know, business critical jobs. Yeah. So what years are we talking? When when did you you went to did you go to Acton Box Pro? Yeah. Why? So yeah, I went to ABRHS. Yeah. Uh, graduated in two thousand six, I believe. So I was okay. at RIT from then until twenty ten when I graduated, and yeah, when I graduated, excuse me, graduated from RIT. I immediately went to work at IBM. Where were you in the world? What office? I was in, their office was in Littleton, Mass, if I remember correctly. It was either Littleton or Westford. I think it was Littleton. The reason I know Littleton is next to Acton is because I bought my Toyota at the Acton Toyota of Littleton. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Which I find hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's... uh, it's, it's, a, they're clustered over there together. Yeah, it's yeah. it's uh, it's a small, yeah. <laughs> definitely a small area. You got like Concord over there. Um, and the best thing, in my opinion, about a little ten is that it's right next to Westford, which has Kimball's Farm. If you've yeah. ever been there, I haven't. Maybe I have to take really. The oh my gosh, is good like animal petting for a two-year-old? <laughs> there is, there yeah. actually is. Okay. It's a wonderland for both two-year-olds and 20 to 80-year-olds alike. Okay. Um, it's got, like, it started off just as, like, an ice cream stand and a driving range, and it's been, like, Disney-fied. Okay. Like, now it is basically just an amusement park, like, with an ice cream stand sort of lopped on the side there, but they got mini golf and bumper boats and all, I mean, you can drink cool. if that's your thing. Yeah. Like, you just walk around with a beer. It's great. I like beer. Um, so <laughs> it's, like, a really, really fun place. And uh, it's really nice. weird that, like, growing up as a kid, I just remembered it for the ice cream. And now it's just like, oh, my God, we can go get fried seafood and then drink and then go play mini golf and then drink some more and hop in the bumper boats and, like, have a wild day. And it's all, you know, it was all right down the street from Amazing. the IBM office. So, and remind me the name of it again? Kimball Farm. Kimball, Kimball Farm. I think it's Kimball's I, Farm. No, my, my wife's probably going to remind me when she hears this podcast um, that she's probably put this on our list of things to do. And I've just forgotten already. Um, but for Boston listeners, it sounds, like a, it sounds like a good place to escape the city in it's, the summer. And I bet the fall. It's definitely worth the trip. changing. It's definitely like a fall. Is it like a nice October activity? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I would go in the winter. The ice cream's really good too, okay. but they are not open because <laughs> they're smarter than that. Yeah. So. Cool. So you were at uh, IBM in Littleton. And so how long were you there? I think, I don't even know if I made it to two years full time. When I started, you know, coming from being an intern, my expectations were more like, okay, cool. Like, I'm going to get to do all the fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was definitely not what happened. I think part of the reason they, they hired me because, you know, they saw that I was I was at least somewhat ta- talented enough. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really know what to do with me, though. They didn't necessarily have a team for me to work on or anything. So they sort of bounced me around for a while to different teams. And I actually sort of liked that because I got to learn a lot and be exposed yeah. to a lot of different stuff. But I, I quickly learned that, like, yeah, you know, like, this isn't necessarily for me. I think my favorite thing that I did there was I worked on a team that was all about fixing some more, like, high-priority bugs in in one particular piece of software that they have and it was just like you know we have a pretty big customer they need this fixed today if possible like you got to hop in there and and get it done and you know they didn't uh, obviously they weren't putting some kid on like the major major stuff but it was really cool to work on some of those high priority projects and it was sort of like a puzzle like you're you're in 
the code trying to piece together, all right, like where did somebody else make this mistake that made this piece of software not work correctly? And I thought it was a lot of fun, like developing different test cases to try to tease out like what exactly is going wrong to, you know, make this, make this not work. And, and I really, I really liked that, but even with how much I liked it, I didn't like being in the office every day. Yeah. I didn't like that that just that constant grind even even though it wasn't like much of a grind, you know, you're in an air conditioned nice office like you know, it's not not, not in a hot 100 degree I, kitchen. I, I'm familiar with the monotony of like, you know, being in Cubeland. So mm-hmm. no, I, I I get it. Like, you know, there's only so much like air conditioning and uh and like free bagels you know can do for you yeah i imagine a lot of the time you spent building those like experiments those like those models to identify those like very micro problems like identifying where they happened like it almost sounds to me like a good training ground for any type sort of supply chain like optimization like i imagine you got some good training there for what you're probably applying in skills now with farewell yeah definitely some problem solving skills that that were developed there and also i you know i still get to dabble a little bit in programming just for some of the tools that we use in the restaurant like nothing nothing has been developed enough that we're using it like all the time but i I like i'm like really obsessed with all the like voice assistants like the amazon echo and Mm -hmm. google assistant and all that so I've done a little bit of work with all of those to make them so that like, if I say certain things in the restaurant, like it'll add specific things to my to-do list and we can even like control some screens with our voices. And, you know, I even built a little tool that lets me build recipes on the fly just by talking to the computer as like, I'm, I'm adding stuff to a, a certain dish. And normally in a restaurant, when you're coming up with a new dish, you've got like a little notepad out next to you and you're like jotting down all these notes and amounts and everything like that. And you got to put it into your spreadsheets to do all the food costing and everything. And what I did was I just made it so that all of that could happen in one step. You know, I'm talking to the computer, it's putting all of those ingredients in the, in our database already. And it's very easy for me to update values just with my voice to um, get all that information in there. And then with the click of the button, I can also get a cost for the actual dish that I just came up with instead of with the notepad. I got to, you know, do all the multiplication and maybe I will put it into the database as well, but I still got to do it all manually. So it's nice to have all of that happen like in one step. I haven't worked in that on that particular project in like a year though just because i haven't had the time to revisit it but you know that's just one of those things that can be really powerful that's interesting so the opportunist in me is hearing you describe that and i'm like oh wow that sounds like an 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 investable opportunity right there so like have you are you interested in leveraging your software and engineering background and creating some ip adjacent to farewell that you might be able to license to other restaurant tours i'd love to i i like i would find that to be really really cool and sort of a way to sort of yeah go back into that development world but i think one of the big problems i have there right now is i just do not have the time and Mm -hmm. There might be a market for that, but margins are so slim in a lot of restaurants anyways. I feel like it's a hard sell to be like, hey, look, here's this really cool fancy gadget that like is really useful. It's even, you know, it's more clean. Like you don't have to wash your hands as often. You don't 
and when you're making the food because like technically when you jot down something on the recipe you should be washing your hands again before like you know mm-hmm. you start working with the food again mm-hmm. but you know i mean that doesn't happen a lot in restaurants anyways but i mean yeah that it but it happens to... in farewell I yeah <laughs> yeah it's a good thing. just yes the... we are always washing our well, hands just like constantly yeah. actually it's yeah. gets really bad in the winter because like my skin gets dry mm-hmm. and like just because of being next to the ocean and like the cold just sucks all the moisture out and the amount that you're washing your hands like oh my god it's insane i just drink i just drink water constantly in the winter to try to fight it because like moisturizers you're yeah you you and me both and then i frequent the bathroom (laughs) um so talk to talk to me talk to boston about the sweet idea that led you to Uh, leaving ibm it's a fun one so this actually began while I was still in school at RIT, like during my senior year, my last semester there, I had set things up so that I, you know, I would basically be taking the minimum amount of classes and they were all easy. Like one of them was wines of the world. One of them was foods of the world. So like I was drinking and eating and nice. playing flag football on Wednesdays and it was great. Um, but I was bored and what I, I you know, I was baking a lot in my house or in my apartment rather, and I was just like, you know what? Instead of eating all of this and getting fat, like, why don't I just like try to sell it to people? So I started just biking around campus, selling cookies off my bicycle, wearing an orange jumpsuit, um, <laughs> because one of my buddies just found <laughs> he found it dumpster diving, and he was just like, you should wear this yeah. while while you deliver cookies, and I was just like, yeah, sure, fine. It's a good way to call attention to yourself. Yeah, it was it was great. You, uh, half the get, people you build intrigue, and then you follow through with with cookies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it it was pretty popular at, in college, and um, I wasn't really making any real money because I was selling things for way too little but it was just fun like mm-hmm. i was just doing it out of my apartment it was fun but i just put that to bed when i got to ibm because i was like this is just a crazy idea like it's not not a real thing but yeah after about two years at ibm like it was really itching at me you know i had saved up some money while i was at ibm i was just like i could just quit and like try to do this for real like out in in boston and just mm-hmm. sort of see what happens so yeah that's what i did i still kept the orange jumpsuit like i just re- started at tufts university and just started riding around selling cookies off my bike and like it was a little weird at first but people eventually started to really warm up to it and you know we we had a pretty wild like first couple of years where like we were doing pretty well and you know I was hiring other college kids just being like here's an orange jumpsuit and I'm gonna come bring you some cookies at the start of every night and like you ride around like and it was specifically a late night yeah cookie delivery service yeah so like Thursday Friday Saturday I think our hours were like nine to three or ten to three um so yeah it was totally just like kids getting drunk coming out of parties like you need something to eat that's we were there for you well you know it's interesting it's a for 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 listeners that maybe haven't ventured out to like salem mass and i don't know if you if you're familiar with good Uh, night fatties Fatties, yeah but just business model was initially just uh pop up every you know friday and saturday night they would they had a they had a you know two days a week where they had like a a little lease of space Mm -hmm. and three cookies and they would always change up the cookies that they would make and there'd be and i and it's and it's kind of a night thing you go up to dinner like even me with my wife and our daughter like we would go there at like eight nine o'clock at night and with our friends to just get cookies and it's gone so well they just opened up their i don't know if they opened up their, their first brick and mortar i think i had heard about that yeah, yeah. So, and that's that's awesome yeah so so it's um 
quite quite a market and then you can kind of expand off that they actually um they started doing breakfast their good morning chubbies <laughs> and i had one the other day um uh, an, ed- an edible good morning uh chubby from from this restaurant everyone relax um <laughs> and it's it's a ball of dough surrounding like all the ingredients of a breakfast sandwich oh cool so it was like i had like um you know bacon egg avocado maybe maybe one or two other things maybe an aioli mm-hmm. and they like do it just like the cookies and they roll it in, and mm-hmm. they fry it up so um interesting just kind of a side tangent around sort of like it's just the food industry is a fun place to 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 innovate and there's no shortage of ways as you've proven to to bring a sweet idea to life yeah well that's really it's it's really interesting (laughs) i didn't know about the uh the breakfast option that they were doing it seems like there's a little bit of a collision course uh between the two of us again because Okay. We do something at, at Farewell called the Scal Zone, which, again, it started as a breakfast item. It's a scallion pancake wrapped around, again, a lot of those breakfast items. Not to be confused with something Brian Scalabrini would eat. We, Brian Scalabrini, <laughs> if you're listening, yeah. we are definitely looking to do some endorsement. It yeah. seems perfect for you. You're going to love it. Um, Let's but, do it. But really, yeah, the Scal Zone <laughs> is like sort of like our bread and butter down okay. there, like Sure, we do the bowls, but this is something that we sort of stand out with. And it started as a breakfast thing. It's a scallion pancake wrapped around beans, eggs, and cheese. And uh, we, you know, we can get bacon in it. We do a spinach and feta one. We've been branching out into doing like some for lunch. We do like a Cuban sandwich variant. We do a uh, croque madame. We do a buffalo chicken one. They're all like really, really popular. Nice. People really love them. We don't fry them. We toast them up in the oven. Mm-hmm. But they're awesome and uh very popular for us down there so um i'm yeah. sold i have to come try I have yeah to come try it out yeah so what yeah the d- describe d- so i, I want to get back to farewell and some of the um you know the the business there like some of the offerings and kind of where things are going but so how long like how did like sweet idea evolved yeah. into you ended up at at may may yeah like what sort of how, how did that transition all happen so that was through the the beauty of of social media i so i had met the maymay folks while i was doing the cookie thing you know our, our main amount of business came from you know catering to college kids but you know they go away for the summer for the most part so yeah. like we found that like we couldn't really make things work then so like what i was doing was I was just like taking my show on the road to the streets of Boston and I was posting up in just like the center of Boston next to food trucks and just I would ask them like look you know I sell cookies off my bike do you mind if you know I just stay right next to you I'll do dessert and you know you do your thing and May May was one of the food trucks that was just like yeah this is cool like this is a wild thing yeah um you know Irene Lee the one of the owners and, and the head chef there she you know she and I became friends and like, just, you know, we just talk, you know, whenever I'd come hang out by the truck, um, another truck that we spent a lot of time next to was, um, staff meal, RIP. I miss them so much. I don't know if you ever had a chance to eat there. Oh my God. Staff meal was amazing. But, uh, what kind of food was it? It was just, they were just like all over the place. (laughs) They did all sorts of different, they basically would just wake up and be like, we're just going to make something awesome. And like, we're going to sell it. And it was just, it was, it was wild. They were, they were Adam and Pat, I think they were so cool. Um, 
but yeah, that's that's sort of like how I sort of got involved with these with these other trucks. So years down the line, when I was closing down Sweet Idea, I announced it on Twitter, and Irene sends me a message, just being like, "Hey, what are you doing next? Because right. we've got this project that you might be interested in." And I was just like, okay, cool. Like I was applying for software jobs at that time. I was just like, all yeah. right, all done. Like the food yeah. thing is over. I tried yeah. it and it didn't work. Yeah. But she was just like, you know, we got this thing going on in the seaport that's going to open up eventually. We're looking for somebody to help us open it and manage it. You know, like, do you want to do that? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. let's, let's try that. I don't want to be done yet. Like this sounds stay solid. With, stay with my passion. Yeah. yeah. So did Thank that. you social media. By the yeah, way. Thanks plen- Twitter. I have plenty of good Twitter stories myself too. Like if you can stay in your positive lane, like it can be a good place to exist digitally. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, cool. It was, uh, it was definitely a cool way to, yeah. to link back up. Yeah. So that was in, was it 2017? I think, I think that was 20. 15, 26, again, like I can't quite remember. I think that was April of 2015. And you had like a couple year run. Yeah. With And then that was when, and then the the opportunity came to sort of like, they had the lease on the space, but they were, they essentially selling you the lease. So what happened was it was a a two year agreement with the innovation design building to, to do the whole thing out of the container. Yep. Cause the innovation design building, do they own the yeah, lease so they, on the container? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like they, yeah. so the IDB did something wildly cool. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you, how much you've been over there and seen a little that bit. And that's why I'm like, Oh, I've seen, I have to like go back and yeah. with all this context. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like the whole, the whole building, it's just like you took a skyscraper and put it on the side yeah. and it's a really cool, like sort of mixed, uh, mixed use building with all sorts of different businesses in there. And they renovated it. Like, so it was a dump, I think, when they bought it. Mm-hmm. And when we first started going down there, like, for site visits and to talk to them, it was just like, what is this place? Like, it is run down and, like, literally the concrete is crumbling beneath your feet. Um, so, yeah, it was a little little scary, but they did an amazing job renovating the place. And they dropped these shipping containers all along the promenade of the building and they were just like we're going to open up some businesses some small businesses in these containers and you know hopefully they'll do great and so yeah they they came to may may they they picked a bunch of different businesses roxy's got one of the initial initial containers um yankee lobsters down there uh jubilees uh which sort of transformed into pharmacy down there as well i had a friend who was a part of roxy's when it launched oh cool awesome um who uh megan Megan. she's megan newcomb now i think that name red red hair i think yeah i think i mean she actually is working at a spot it's a new venture out in salem mass where a lot of people have made their way up oh cool brew box awesome oh i uh oh i've been at brew box Yeah. yeah cool awesome yeah um yeah i knew so james and i uh james from roxy's worked out of the same kitchen in jp when they were starting oh, roxy's cool. up i That's was right. starting up a good idea so um yeah to to come back yeah. on track so you know may may moved in to the space and yeah we, we were there for about two years and and we did well but you know may may decided that they didn't want to stay there were a lot of things going on both within May May sort of transitioning into some other stuff with their business and the building itself was sort of in flux with like some of the 
overall food plan that they wanted to do and they were thinking about doing opening up some other stuff and we were just like well i don't know like the container's making money but not a lot and like john's asking for a raise and like all these things that are happening like maybe it's better to just say like you know we made some money this is a fun experiment and we're just going to move on so like i totally understand why may may chose to move on from that and I, I i mean i definitely harbored some resentment at the start from that because i was just like you're sort of taking away my baby you know i yeah. I, I helped make this thing yeah. into into a reality and i poured so much time and effort into it you know it it sucked to to have that happen but did they revert back into food truck like were they more comfortable so, in, like being a food truck it's or? actually what like, does the, the brand live on and something yeah like, so maybe more comfortable i think what maybe did was actually really smart so props to them they were so they were doing a couple of things at the time they were doing this really cool program program called rethink restaurants which i loved and i thought was a great move by irene to to do this program which is all about empowering your staff. It was all about teaching your staff about the financials of a restaurant and sort of like the entrepreneurial angles of it so that they can make better informed decisions while they're at work. And I think it's a really, really cool program that a few other restaurants in the city have also done. I think Juliet in Somerville was one of the first restaurants that did it as well. But they, you know, when when Rethink worked with Maymay, they were sort of just like, your food truck doesn't really make you a ton of money and you know, it's a cool thing, yeah. but you, you know, like most businesses or most food businesses, rather, you make a lot more of your money. You have much better margins when you're doing catering and when you're doing events versus just going out on the street, hoping that enough people come by to make it a profitable just day. Just slinging. Ho- yeah, yeah, just yeah, slinging. Just yeah. Hoping that it's yeah. not going to rain and yeah. hoping that it's not going to snow. And like the food trucks in Boston, like doing the city streets is tough, especially in the winter. It's a nightmare. So they had a lot, you know, they were sort of at this crossroads where it's just like the truck is expensive to run, but it's a really cool core part of the business. And like, that was how they started. But, you know, they also, by this point, had their own brick and mortar restaurant, which is right on the edge of Brookline, uh, technically in Boston, um, at B, like in BU South Campus. And they were just like, you know what, maybe we just focus more on the catering side of things and, you know, keep the truck just for that. They don't do the street services anymore. They still have the truck, but, you know, it, it only goes out if you're willing, you know, to pay to, to have it out and make it worth their while. So they've focused a lot more now on catering and, and, and focusing their menu a little bit more towards that. Um, than doing sort of the external things like the container that I was running and, and the food truck. So it's from, I mean, I haven't really stayed super in touch with them, but from what I can tell, it's gone really well for them. So I'm really happy that, you know, they made the right decision. And like I said, based off of the information that they had when it came time to renew their lease, at the design center, like I understand why they didn't want to stay. Cause like, there's a lot of risk, even if it's only a year lease, it's just like, Oh man, like, you know, we don't have money to just throw around and like burn. Like we got to, got it's a business we gotta mm-hmm. make money so you gotta know. make money and we have to be like progressing like yeah be, you know on a trajectory to make more so kind of take that now full fully up to you know essentially the present but start you know you started farewell talk about what all the things you had learned all the experiences that, you, that you've discussed that went into feeling uh, confident in the business that you embarked on building with farewell and like what that business is now and sort of where you're going. Sure. So, you know, 
when Maymay was pulling out, I could see like, wow, we're really finally hitting our stride. So this sucks even more because like now it's like I can really see what we can do with this. But I also saw like, yeah, here's an opportunity. And that's exactly what I presented to my partner, Rob. You know, I was just like, hey, man, you know, this is a chance, you know, I, he had told me a long time ago that he'd always wanted to open a food truck. So I was just like, Hey man, you know, you want to do this thing? Like, I know it doesn't have wheels on it, but it's yeah. right outside. You know, yeah. his company is right outside is in the innovation design building, um, right next to where we're at. So I was just like, man, you can see us every day. You can eat food here every day. Um, you know, so he, he jumped right on board and like, I, I learned there is a lot, you know, that I learned from my time, managing it for may may uh and transitioning into owning it as as farewell you know i think some of the business the bit biggest things were really business related you know i already knew how to make good food and and i knew some a lot of those other things went from the creative side of it but what i had learned while doing sweet idea and and was that i didn't know how to run a business mm-hmm. you know like we made really bomb cookies but like i had no idea what the hell i was doing i had a i was not good at managing people i was not there was not good at a lot of the business side of it and so while i was at may may i got to learn like okay you know here is how i manage these pieces here's how i do food costing and I handle all of this ordering and knowing like how much, you know, money we should set aside in the budget for labor and all of these other pieces. So I learned a lot of that then and I could apply certain pieces of it, but also, you know, May May did a lot of, you know, guiding me along. And then, you know, eventually by the end of that two years, I was just like, you know, I could, I could do this on my own. Like I, I know how to do all of these things now, like well enough. And like, I know the numbers of the business. So like theoretically I should be able to continue to make this work. And you know, there were some changes that I really wanted to make when we were a part of May May that, you know, were more difficult to make. Cause I didn't have that autonomy. You know, I, I, there were other layers of management involved. So you know, this way, this was an opportunity for me to say like, okay, like this thing that I couldn't do before now I can actually get to do it. So it's been really exciting getting to do that. And it's definitely scary <laughs> not having anything to fall back on, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was nice when I knew that, you know, my, my check would get cut every, every two weeks with May May where, you know, it's not a concern with farewell, but it's just like, you know, you're always a little nervous. It's just like, if we have a couple bad weeks, it's just like, it'll be, you know, a little, little more scary. And, you know, the think, pressure of being like the actual, like chief executive. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, it's, there's a little bit more stress involved. Let me ask you, I, I actually just, this just dawned on me. It, you seem like very mindful and you've drawn on much of your experience, but also like in, in the present, um, in, in since you, you mentioned like having like a thirst for knowledge, are there particular programs, um, you know, fellow business leader groups, consortiums, like what, what do you participate in? Is it just your peer group, your brain trust? Like how do you, better yourself every day, which is a, which is a valuable thing to sort of the, to share with fellow entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs. I think that networking is really important and that's something that I still don't do enough of. It's something that it's tough. There are lots of different organizations out there. I, I, to be totally honest, I have a, I don't have a good answer for you, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. 
And maybe I should work on developing a better one because I'm not a part of any of those organizations. And there are some times where like, yeah, I've got some questions that I don't really know who to ask to answer. You know, we were talking about Roxy's before. I'm, I'm, you know, I still talk to James from Roxy's occasionally. So like whenever I see him, I'll pick his brain about like, Hey, here's a problem I'm having or something like that. And I still stay in touch with some other places that I've, I've worked with. And, and, you know, even Maymay will, will chat occasionally about some of that stuff. So, you know, building out that professional network is, is really, really valuable. And I don't think that I've spent enough time on that. I I want to spend more, but as is difficult, difficult for any entrepreneur, you're always sort of asking yourself, how am I going to find the time to do this, to do this thing that I need to do to be successful, but it's hard because I also need to make sure that the lights stay on and that, you know, food keeps coming in. Yeah. Um, well, time is precious and, you know, like, I I don't necessarily think it's gotta be, you know, one thing or the other thing, like, you know, for, for me personally, like my brain trust includes my wife, mm. you know, and includes (laughs) two of my best friends that, Mm. you know, like we can talk through like, like particular, like, like if there's like an interpersonal struggle that we're dealing with, with like a partner or or whatnot, or, or we're trying to, you know, work through, um, you know, and, and, and vet out like the, the progress we're trying to create in our career. So, I mean, the, you know, your brain trust can be as simple as, you know, it could be your parents. Um, and you know, you'd mentioned that it could be your, it could be your father who was once a music education teacher yeah. turned information technology, um, professional, which, which kind of helped prove to you that you can make what seems like a radical change in your career. So I imagine, you know, that you have plenty of people that you probably draw on, yeah. I mean, the, the biggest one is, is my, my fiance, you know, she, I feel bad that I'm only saying, uh, Tori, I'm sorry it took this long, but, um, you know, she is the person who is the most helpful partly because I mean, she was just an amazingly supportive and incredibly smart person, but also she has worked in food a little bit herself. You know, she's more, she did it more when she was in school just to, you know, make some money. She did a lot of catering. And uh, because of that, she gained a lot of skills that I didn't have. You know, I knew how to run a restaurant, but I didn't know how to, when we had catering and events to do, I was sort of like at a loss on how do I set everything up exactly? So I would have, you know, she still comes and works with me on those gigs sometimes. And she's just like, okay, here's what you got to do. Here's how things should be set up. You know, she's so good at making everything like look nice where I'm just like, I can make the food. And she's just like, don't worry. I got this. Like you make the food. I'm going to make everything look beautiful and have everything go nicely. You know, so we've catered charity events where, uh, you know, I'm just like, all right, Tori, you're going to make everything look beautiful and I'm just going to make all the food. And, and this, you know, we'll just command around everybody else. And like, we just know we're really good at, you know, knowing what we're good at and dividing that, that labor amongst the two of us. You know, she's tried working in the restaurant with me a few times and that doesn't go so well because there's that, like, I'm sort of just in charge and, yeah. and it, you know, there's a little bit more friction there, but there's a too many cooks in the kitchen. Yes, exactly. Right yeah. Exactly. Um, but you know, when we do these events, you know, she's, she can just handle, she fills in all of these knowledge gaps for me. And she's also someone who's just great to bounce a lot of this information off of you know she's very insightful and just thinks differently than i do and i think that's something that's important for anyone Mm -hmm. that you have like in that brain trust Mm -hmm. is someone who can think differently 
then you can and attack these problems from a different angle, a different perspective and, and provide some different information. Yeah, sure. Well, it was kind of a na- nice natural segue that you brought up Tori, your fiance, because um, one of the last questions I asked you in the, in the pre podcast uh, interview was just about like meaning like biggest, um, you know, biggest things in the, in the world that, that you see as problems that need, need solving and sort of like, you know, and, and it got you talking about like, sort of like a cause that means a lot to you, means a lot to Tori, um, which is helping sort of underprivileged youth, yeah. which speaks right to my heart and, and to quite a, a consistent thread of this podcast more than 20 episodes in. So why don't you speak a bit to some of the work Tori's doing and, and even if, if there is some connective tissue between maybe where you see farewell going and what Tori's doing, like um, I feel like that, that, that seems really interesting and you guys seem naturally suited to kind of you know guide each other to some sort of um output where um where maybe farewell is is providing like healthy food access to underprivileged and whatnot so i've kind of i've read that answer for you and like oh wow i can't wait to so so i'll shut up and you 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 tell me like what what do you what is tori up to and what do you and tori have planned together sure so i can't say that we have a lot planned right now other than getting married in october which has consumed a lot (laughs) of our lives but for with regards to what she does this is something that before I knew Tori, I didn't care about. I didn't even know that this was like really that big a problem. Like I knew that there were plenty of people who were, you know, underprivileged and faced all sorts of challenges that I, as a a white dude, like never had to face. And like, um, you know, she really opened my eyes to a lot of that stuff. And I was definitely like, I feel bad because I was really dumb when it came to a lot of social issues until like, until I met her, basically, you know, I didn't pay attention. I was a little bit of the camp of like, oh, well, we're all born on a level playing field. Like we're all born, right? Like we can all pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and like figure it out, like, which is not true at all. But like, I was not so smart about that stuff when I was younger and like, I'm still learning and I'm sure I'm going to be learning about that for the rest of my life. But she has, you know, guided me, uh, along very patiently, uh, to see like a lot of those injustices in the world. And what she does is really cool. You know, she works for youth build Cambridge, which is part of the justice start foundation. And, they work, I believe the age range is 16 to 24, actually, for the mm-hmm. the youths that they work with. So it's, it's people who even are adults who are looking to either get their GEDs or different certifications. And they both, they gain construction skills. They work on construction sites. They build houses, um, usually for Justice Art. And they gain those construction skills, which are valuable just in the workplace. And they also gain an education, you know, they can get their G, they can work towards their GD. I forget what the other, um, high school equivalency sort of things that they do are. Unfortunately, it's escaping me right now. I'm sorry, but it's, it's really, really cool. It's a a wonderful organization and it's really cool because she loves doing it. She cares so much about these kids and it's, it's really awesome to hear her tell me, their stories when she comes home every day and, and, you know, always looking for different ways that, that she can help them and go the extra mile to, to help them out as, as well. And this is something that even before she worked for them, she ran a summer camp and this, this is what blew my mind and sort of started to really open me up. 
she were she ran a summer camp uh, camp Ramley down in Newport, Rhode Island mm-hmm. that did sort of a similar thing, working with really young kids who lived in rough parts of of the area and you know giving them a couple weeks of the summer to actually enjoy themselves and be kids and not worry about all of the difficulties they had to face day in and day out. And I got to go down and teach some cooking classes for them, which was really fun and really rewarding. And, um, you know, seeing that with her was like really, really wild to me because I was just like, this is Newport, Rhode Island. This is like such a rich place. Like, what are you talking about that? There's this, you know, impoverished population but it's there like yeah. and i've seen it like yeah. it's hidden like in the back of newport like yeah. it's just carved away yeah. they're tucked away and yeah. nobody like they don't want anybody to see it but it's yeah. it's there and these these people are, are struggling in it and that was really what started started to open my eyes it's just like wow there are people like this everywhere, everywhere. and you know people who say you know i i did this my, i'm a self-made man or something like that you made yourself by climbing on the backs of a bunch of other people. Right on. Like, yeah. you know, you, yeah. it, that's, and it, so it, it's really cool to try to take a step back and look at all of these people who unfortunately got left behind. And it's really great that she does work towards that. And, you know, farewell hasn't done a ton of that. We've done, we've started doing some charitable giving uh, this year, which has felt really good and really nice. Um, we've done some support of, of youth build. We've done some support of camp Kita, which is a great organization that is uh, a summer. I believe it's a summer camp. I'm not sure if it's a year round camp or just summer that supports kids who are, um, survivor, uh, survivors of, uh, suicides of other people in their family, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, you know, which is obviously a very, very difficult situation for a, a child. And um, so so we've also helped out that organization. And it's just been cool to, like, to own a business and be able to give back to some of those other organizations has felt really great and powerful and is something that I never would have imagined I would even want to do even, like, five years ago, where I was just like, I just want to make money and, like, try to get to the point where, like, I don't have to be working all the time and my business will run itself and, mm-hmm. and do all these things on its own. And now it's just like, no, I want to be involved and, and try to help and and, you know, have at least, you know, some some amount of uh, activism or or charitable giving or, or whatever you can do to to give back. So it's been it's been really nice to nice. to do that. Good for you, John. Sounds like uh, sounds like you're growing up. That I like. That, I, I had a, to at yeah. some point. I'm 31 now. So that, yeah, you're only 31. That's the thing. Like as we get older, and like you know, you're just about to get married. But like you know, then you have you know if you choose to have a child, then you have a child, and it's like you more like what you're starting to feel now. You'll only feel more if you do bring another life into the world, which is like, well, I care about the individual, you know, the 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 young human that I've brought into the world, but also like. I have a daughter, like she has to coexist and cohabitate with all these other young humans. So what kind of impact can I leave on the planet to help um, it be a, a, you know, a a safe uh, world for many people. So there's less conflict, you know, you don't want conflict around, around um, your children because you obviously 
don't want to get morbid about it, but you yeah. want your children to be around longer than you. So this is yeah. the first time I can say like 24 episodes into Boston Speaks Up where I've been like compelled to say, wow, I should talk to the spouse of a guest too. <laughs> but I would love to actually connect to the fiance. That program in Cambridge sounds like the type of program that I would love to learn more about. And I have um, many questions and and hope to um in seeking out the the answers like almost you know share with that share that program to many other areas that are underserved like outside of boston which is which is a particular area of interest of mine so thank you for sharing that we can take that connection offline sure yeah um and sort of on a lighter note where um so congratulations on getting married in october where, thank are, you. You, where are you guys getting married winchester it's uh that is a town. Uh, I should start with where. It's a beautiful uh, town. It is, yeah. yeah. Uh, if you've ever heard of Wrightlock Farm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we're going to be doing it there. Um, nice. It's going to be pretty wonderful. Uh, this is actually... Big after, wedding? How many? I mean, I'm Italian and she's Greek, so yeah. yeah. Um, oh, una fazza, una razza? Is that a saying in your relationship? Uh, it is not, but... So una fazza, una razza means one face, one race. Oh, okay. It's a saying that Greeks and Italians say with each other. I, this is my first time here. There you I'm go. I have bring, to talk to her about bring that. that back. I, I'd cool. be shocked if not one person at your wedding knows that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So it's gonna it's gonna be pretty great. But uh, it's actually it's Wednesday, which means it's uh, wedding and wine Wednesday. We okay. do a lot of our wedding planning yeah. on on Wednesdays. Have a bottle of wine and just try to figure out oh, how cool. the hell we're gonna fit all these people on this tiny little farm and yeah. get everything paid for and everything else. So. Yeah, okay. it's uh it's pretty cool. It's uh definitely something that so <laughs> if you'll indulge a story, uh Go for it. sweet idea also led me to Tori. She <laughs> was one of my customers. I was gonna ask how you yeah, met yeah. yeah. She was one of my customers at Tufts and you know, one one the night, mortar um, in with sugar. That's right. Yeah, she you know, she couldn't resist the sickness. Thank you. Yeah, for listeners, I just gave uh, Sean a nice fist pound. It was beautiful. Um, but yeah, she was just one of my customers, and uh, you know, she and her roommates invited me up to a party one night, and you know, we were just hanging out and exchanged numbers, and nice. Here we are now, years later, finally, finally getting married. Hey, so. let's invite the cookie guy up. He's cute. That's uh, and he's got cookies with him. I mean. <laughs> That uh, that was definitely definitely a thing. That was one That's of the awesome. selling points for uh, you know when I was trying to recruit employees. I was like, you're sort of getting the paid to go party and like be a fun guy yeah. or girl on campus. Um, That's so, cool. So <laughs> nice. So where are you guys going for um, your honeymoon? Is, <laughs> is the honeymoon planned? Oh, uh, it it is. Um, so we're gonna do a little mini moon right after the wedding yeah. in I forget where in New Hampshire. Um, I don't know if you, you've, I'm sure you've heard of the term glamping. Oh yeah. And, uh, I know the I, only way my wife camps, that's, is glamping. that's, yeah. that's like me. Tori yeah. wants not, to live outside all the time not in a tent. <laughs> yeah. Um, running water, faci- yeah. like actual bed. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if you've ever heard of the getaway houses. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's like our compromise. Cool. Um, most of the time I will venture yeah. out into a tent. Like actually when she was doing her summer camps, like I would often just, I mean, I was just sleeping in a tent outside with her. Um, but glamping is a little bit more my speed. Um, nice. and so we're going to be doing that. And then the reason I was chuckling to myself when you mentioned this is speaking of charitable giving yeah. and everything else and, and her organization, um, she unfortunately had mono um, earlier 
near the end of 2018 or was it earlier this year sometime in the last year or so and uh her organization uh not not long after she got better and everything else um she hadn't drank in a while and uh her organization had a had a fundraiser a charity gala and it was too expensive for me to go so i was just like you go just be careful you know like this is the first time you're drinking in a little while like don't go crazy so i'm working at the restaurant and i get a phone call at like eight o'clock and it's from her and i'm just like "Uh oh this this what is what is going on and uh so i pick up and i'm just like hey is everything okay and the first words out of her mouth were so don't be mad (laughs) which is never the way you want a conversation with like basically anyone to start but like your fiance definitely a rough way um but she was just like i just booked our honeymoon apparently during the charity auction there was a week on offer at a very nice apartment in Cadaque, spain Mm. and she just trying to support her organization was just trying to drive up the other bidders (laughs) So she was just trying to be like, oh, yeah, you know, like, let's push yeah. them up a little bit, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. And uh, and her bid won. Her bid won. Yeah. So we're going to Spain. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to be great. And the week was determined. What week is it? When are you gonna uh, It's in, I believe we're going to go in winter? June. And okay. uh, yeah, yeah, so we're, we're, we're going nice. to wait a little bit. I mean, honestly, like. Hey, elongate the wedding celebration. As, yeah. As, as far out as you can. Yeah. So, so we're going to spend a week there and then we're going to try to tack on another couple of weeks, like do France and, um, maybe Portugal. Like, I don't really Great. totally know, um, exactly yet. We're going to sort of figure out the rest of it right now. We just know that we're going to Europe. We're going to Spain. And uh, we'll we'll figure out the rest of it once. Well, we gotta we gotta get the marriage yeah. done first, and then we'll we'll figure out the rest. Who's gonna run farewell while you're gone? Oh my god, that's why I'm so glad it's not till Good June. Good thing you're until June. I don't know. Out. Yeah, uh, you know, I've got some really great employees, but some of them are going back to school right now, okay. and so. You know, it, we're and we're sort of in flux because, like, we're trying to figure out how to grow. So, like, it's it's a difficult difficult situation. But I have I have some time to mm-hmm. solve the problem. And you know, the mini moon will be sort of like a test run of some of that stuff. So, uh, right now we're we're hiring some some new people, um, and uh, hopefully they'll work out and mm-hmm. make me feel a little bit more confident in everything. And we'll try to get them totally up to speed for for june so that i can go away and uh do my best to relax we'll it's see. a healthy a very healthy challenge to have yeah in business is to go away and and then and then allow and, and hopefully have frameworks to allow others to excel so you can come back and be a little bit more on top of the business when you come back so yeah that's the big silver lining that i I'll throw optimism I, and positivity. Oh no, I absolutely <laughs> agree. Like it's it's a good challenge to have because, admittedly, one of my greatest weaknesses is that I can be a little bit of a control freak, and I'm sort of just like, well, I want everything done 100 percent correctly all the time. And even, even though, like, as yeah. sort of hypocritical, so I don't even always hold myself to that standard, but you gotta let go. I was actually having a, a conversation with someone today about like, you can't grow unless you let go. Like yeah. you need to be able to have other people do these things so that you can tackle other problems. Otherwise I'm just going to be in the restaurant every single day 
making salads for people and I'll make sure that everyone is made correctly, but I will never leave. Mm -hmm. Like I will never leave. We'll never build the business. I'll only make the same amount of money forever. Like maybe we'll get some lucky breaks here and there, but you have to actively try to push yourself up and out in order to, to get to where, at least to where I really want to go. And, um, yeah, this will be a great run at that. It's been really cool this summer because I've had such a good staff compared to our, our first summer on our own where some of my staff was just not so great. And yeah. I didn't have enough systems in place to have them to allow them to be successful. But, you know, I've, I've learned more and I've put more of those systems in place and I've had some better people come through now where like. You know, I, I mean, I got to leave early today to come talk yeah. to you and I wasn't concerned at all about that. And, you know, in software, a lot of the time people would talk about like getting your, your program and your code into a place where like if you got hit by a bus tomorrow on the way into work, everything would be fine. Hmm. Somebody else could take over, the project would go on. And that's right. sort of like how I think about this challenge as well. It's just like, I need to make it so that I can get hit by a bus and everything will be fine. And right now it's sort of just like I could get hit by a bus and like maybe have a couple of like yeah. hopefully be able to be back on my feet in like a few weeks or a month and yeah. things might be okay. But people yeah. will still have to give me a phone call and everything yeah. else. And I need to make it so that like, yeah, I can leave and and have everything be all right. So we're still working, working towards that. But it's nice to have a a sort of a date where it's yeah, just yeah, like yeah. you got to have it done by now. It's always good to have a deadline. Yeah. I, I needed a deadline that was my daughter's second birthday to get my house ready mm -hmm. for, you know otherwise i would have never gotten my my house ready for it mm -hmm. um so how do people find what's the best way for people to kind of follow along farewell like online so we we have an instagram that's really the only social media we do much on and honestly i have been super active lately just because we've had so much else going on but it's just uh, at farewell.boston on on instagram um, you can see lots of cool pictures of food and just sort of when we do pop-ups, you can find them on there. Um, our website, farewellboston.com. Um, yeah, that, that's basically it. Or just come down to the restaurant, see what specials we got on that day. Like, come. What are your eat. hours? Uh, so it's a little tough yeah. for people to get to yeah. us because our hours, and this is the thing that I yeah. love about the restaurant, is... Uh, our hours are 8.30 in the morning till 3.30 in the afternoon, mm -hmm. Monday through Friday. So mm -hmm. it's awesome to like have sort of like a regular normal schedule, um, but still work in the food industry, which is pretty rare. And there's a dense population of people working in that area. So like your biggest time is lunch. Yeah. Is your biggest yeah, time? definitely. Lunchtime is yeah. our biggest time, like 12 to one. But we do a pretty, pretty good amount of business during breakfast too. Yeah. Um, and I'm really proud of that because before like flower bakery and cafe put in a, a location right in the innovation design building, which like definitely hurt our sales, which is to be expected. You know, they, I mean, they're great. And you know, it's a, you know, they have a much bigger facility can put out a lot more food, can do a lot more than, than we can. Um, and I was really nervous when they opened up, they was just like, they're going to kill our breakfast. Like they're just going to annihilate it. And, Fortunately, like we saw a little bit of a drop off, but really people have stuck around and really like our, our breakfast options. You know, we do some breakfast bowls 
um, just sort of like the the grain bowls that we do for lunch. We do some breakfast bowls with spinach and roasted potatoes and soft scrambled eggs, and then you can either get bacon or you know veggies in there. And um, and also obviously we have the scalzone, which like people just love and go nuts for. It's the ultimate hangover cure. Mm. So we see a lot of people who have thirsty Thursday nights come in, roll into work on Friday. They're just like, I need a scalzone like right now. Can we challenge like the more creative side of the Boston? Uh, speaks up in Boston audience to create like a Brian Scalabrini like <laughs> scal zone like like image and Photoshop because I would love to have that to accompany <laughs> some promotion of this podcast once when, when, once it's out I want I'm, I'm gonna I'll throw some I'll throw some tweets at Scal like he needs to get behind this <laughs> that would be be pretty awesome maybe we need to flag it to like toucher and rich i don't know if you're a toucher oh and my rich god guy, i love like, toucher and rich yeah but like i feel like there's a way where we like like you really could get the scal zone on another level marketing wise yeah. if you could just get it on like like you need to maybe just like maybe you can get um a press that's got like scal's face on it or something <laughs> i don't know but there's something here there's there's got to be something there that when there, where there's smoke there's fire um yeah i don't know i don't know how to do it and like i'm honestly not a huge basketball i uh, basketball fan i obviously know who brian scalabrini yeah. is um yeah, I don't know. My my uh, future brother-in-law has been yelling at me to do this for years sure. already. So like this would be definitely would be awesome. Um but yeah, we'll cool. uh we'll see if somebody can come up with something that nice. be that'd be pretty sweet and I can shower you in scale zones. Um if uh whoever ends up making making something happen like that. Nice. So. Obviously listeners can always hit hit me up at at uh Boston speaks up at, at gmail.com or Zach at fabricmedia.net. But what's a good way to like contact you if they're like, Oh, I want to be that manager for your spot. Or I have like an amazing Brian Scalabrini campaign. I want to run by <laughs> you. Like what's a good way to get in touch? Uh, Instagram again is yeah. great. Uh, my email is just John J O H N at farewellboston.com. So, you know, cool. shoot me an email there and I'd, I'd be happy to chat. Awesome. John, this has been a pleasure. My pleasure. It's been awesome. It's been great. Right on. Thanks, dude. All right. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers, Boston.